Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 34 of Extra Lore, recorded live on January 4th, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the topic from December, which was Dishonored. But first, let's run through a quick introduction for those of you, or of those who are on the show with us tonight. Uh, as always, this is your host, Blue Crew eighty six. Next up, we have our own master social media, the one and only Green Eyed Music Lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How is the week and I guess the new year treated you so far? I've got a finger of whiskey. I don't have a cigar though, but I am set to go for Dishonored. Um, my new year's been good. It's actually. So far, 2019, knock on wood, has been fairly good for me. I've actually woke up in a really pleasant mood, which has been something that has been fleeting lately. But yeah, it's been good. A good week for me, luckily. I know that's not the same for everybody. Um, My friend that I talked about last week who was in the hospital, uh, she's driving home this weekend. She got released Wednesday from the hospital, and she's driving home. Now, she's not 100% better. Because when you have um, this kind of tear happen in your artery, you're going to be prone to it. So she has to be really careful. And she's technically not completely healed up. But she is healthy enough to get away from the hospital and go back to friends and family and so many people in that community, which is luckily a really tight-knit community and loves her to death, to be able to... um, help her out a ton so that thank you for all those people out there with well wishes and prayers and stuff for that i appreciate it i'm sure she does too but that is the update on miss susan fun fact she's the one who married uh julie and i so she has a special place in our hearts for that Uh, that's awesome yeah sometimes i mean like even getting even getting released from the hospital though is is a victory in and of itself you know because getting out of that environment back into the your you know usual i think always helps people that's that's awesome so so glad to hear that uh rounding out the usual team we have our good buddy the lore content cop himself beard grizzly beard how are you doing and how's the new year going for you I am death. Death becomes pain. Pain is real. 
<laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Pain from unknown sources is even more real. Yeah, yeah. No, it that's that's the worst part. Is just you know you're just kind of like waking up and you're like, where? What <laughs> Mack truck hit me in my sleep? Wait, how what? old are you? Thirty-two. Oh, you're not that old. No, I'm not. Which is why I'm sitting here going, "What in the world?" I turn thirty-two next Saturday. Yeah, I know. Welcome to hell. Welcome, welcome oh, great. To what this will be great. Like. I went saying. from my 2019 being awesome so far yep. to looking forward to having back pain for no reason. Uh, just just the absolute epitome of Grin and Barrett and trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah, no, short version. Like, I woke up the, I, I guess this was the other day at this point, and, like, it it hurt right underneath my shoulder blade. And then, or actually more, like, around my neck. Then it kind of carried down to my shoulder blade. And then, of course, when I have nerve pain around there, it ends up carrying over to my head, so I end up having a freaking excuse me, freaking migraine. Uh, and thankfully that didn't kick up again. Like today it hasn't been too bad, but if I'm not sitting back, uh, I just, I'm, I, I'm just so much pain, uh, which made writing the last little bits that I need to, needed to for the grimoire anthology, a real pain in the neck. Uh, and I haven't even had a chance to start on the freaking other books that you sent me green. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just been, it's, it's been a week. Uh, otherwise there's been plenty of good news, uh, coming from friends, family, so on, which I'm not going to really dig into. Uh, but yeah, like this, this weird, painful start to 2019 can stop like the next <laughs> 30 minutes. That'd be wonderful. I there is not chat. enough icy hot or heating pads in the world right now. Chad, according to Chad, it's because you have too many channels on your shoulders. It's just the weight oh, is getting. God. <laughs> uh, and Jake, I am thirty-two. Uh, yes, I am. I'm a. I'm a. Yeah, I. I don't. I don't understand. Like I understand that I'm not Jake's that old of a man. Jake, you I don't am... even look thirty-eight. No, you really don't. I freaking thought you were like twenty-something. I did too, honestly. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my god. Blue's pretty young too. Yeah. I don't even I, I think don't, Justin I don't know. is the oldest one out of all of us. Yeah, I believe so. Cuz Justin Oh, like, speaking speaking Justin. of Justin, I know a couple people have asked me. Uh Justin is doing great. He is in the middle of still like so basically the reason Justin's been out of touch, I I had a really good chat with him last week. Uh he has been just swamped. With, with work and then uh for those who might not be completely familiar uh he's in the process of rebuilding the house that he's living in so he is gotten pretty much everything stripped down to just studs and is actually rebuilding it pretty much from the ground up uh from what i'm understanding so like it's it's going to be a really good but it is kind of time consuming i think would be the understatement of the week for that type of situation uh he's but he's he's doing great he sends his best wishes to everyone uh he's you know of course not happy that he isn't he doesn't have the time to to jump on i think we're going to try to get him on for a couple of the top threes 
Uh, but Yay. with with his work schedule, the problem is is like he's working pretty much every day. Uh, and he, he has, started a new job. He started. He's yeah. He start, so he started a new job. So during the week, he's pretty much doing that, and then on the weekends, he's doing the house that he's you know he's mm-hmm. rebuilding. Uh, so he's you know talking you know really early mornings. Uh, he he doesn't have anything going on in the evenings, but because it's such early mornings, he doesn't always have the availability that he used to. Uh, especially with the weekends because of the limited time that he has. So he, I think we might be able to get him on for top threes, but uh, as far as getting him back for the full episodes, because it's such a late uh, recording time, uh, we're probably, I've, I've told him, you know, and for, for the record, we might have him on. And if we have him on, he might just drop off in the middle of the episodes. If that happens, that's, just basically the situation just to give everyone a heads up um but yeah like i said i did i did get a chance to catch up with him uh last week actually and so we we had a had a good chat about that so he is doing great uh but like i said he's just you know he is just swamped with with real life stuff and so anyone uh send him send him some snake gifts over on twitter if you think about it he always he he acts like he doesn't like it, but we all know he really loves it. Um, he does enjoy the. Uh, he loves getting picked on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is one of the weird mm-hmm. things that he does enjoy. I think that's. I think that's the entire reason he likes me being here. Mm-hmm. I think. I think. <laughs> but um, we'll run through the standard intro notes, and then we're going to get right into the topic real quick. In our last Extra Lore episode, we took a brief look at Fallout. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbean, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful as they help us show up on the charts and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. As with the normal chat topics, Extra Lore is decided by the community through a monthly poll. After the month's discussion has come to an end, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts on the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found on our website. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. Extra lore topic for January is going to be a discussion on the lore of Halo, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. With all that out of the way, where do we think would be the best place to start when looking for a really basic understanding of Dishonored? Uh, real quick, I wanted to go through a high-level summary of Dishonored. Um, to kind of preface this episode, as with all the other extra lore episodes, we're going to try... I'm going to try... I'm going to emphasize that again. I'm going to try to get all the points. Um I haven't played Dishonored 2. I've only played the first one, uh, which, I mean, I, I really like the 
the idea of the game. I like the mechanics of the chaos system, which we'll definitely kind of touch on a little bit. Uh, but I just yeah, time. Um, but so this is going to be pretty much it's intended to be a summary of the game series. And so because it's going to be covering quite a bit of information, we're going to obviously not be able to get into some of the nitty gritty details on everything. So just, you know, keep keep that in mind if you guys excuse me. If you guys want to continue the conversation, I do have this posted up on the website on the forum uh, for archived conversations. And we also do have the miscellaneous games channel in the discord chat if you guys want to you know, chat in in real time. Uh, so those are two options for you there. So that being said, a high-level summary of Dishonored. Uh, is the big thing here is that this game and these, this world is going to be set. It's set in a fictional, plague-ridden industrial city of Dunwall. This is going to be the first one. Uh, the game follows the figure of Corvo Atano, who is the bodyguard of the Empress of the Isles. Uh, he is framed for her murder and forced to become an assassin, seeking revenge on those who plotted against him. He is aided in this quest by the Loyalists, which is a resistance group fighting to reclaim Dunwall, and the Outsider, a powerful being who imbues Corvo with magical abilities. Gameplay is experienced through a first-person perspective and allows the player a choice in the manner of completing missions through stealth, combat, or a combination of both. Note that it is possible to finish all the missions in the game to eliminate Corvo's targets in a non-lethal manner, if the player wishes to do so. RPG elements or role-playing game elements are present in the option to upgrade powers and make moral choices that result in non-linear consequences. These choices are tracked in-game through the chaos system, which takes into account the amounts of friendly fire, violence, and deaths that the player causes. This modifies the game world, which allows the choices to affect the story without punishing the player or forcing them to feel the need for one style over the other. This ultimately influences which of the game's two endings is reached. The story of Dishonored 2 follows the figures of Emily Caldwin and Corvo, her father, as they attempt to reclaim the throne 15 years later. Events occur in the city of Karnako, taking place after Emily has been deposed by the witch Delilah Copperspoon. Emily and Corvo both have their own forms of supernatural abilities, and the missions can be completed through a variety of means, similar to the first game. Another similarity does lie in the game having a multitude of available endings based again on the player's standing within the chaos system. The uh, ending of Dishonored 2 takes place in the year 1852 slash the nearly beginning of 1853, uh, and the the events obviously in Dishonored take place uh, 15 years prior to that. So this is a Mm -hmm. game that does span quite a few or nearly two decades of events, but does also maintain focus really heavily on the figure of Corvo. Corvo is... He's not the sole protagonist in Dishonored 2, but he is the sole protagonist in Dishonored, and he was kind of the he's literally and kind of metaphorically the eyes through which we experience the world of Dishonored. Uh, and <clears throat> so to kind of kind of dive into that a little bit, there's a couple of notable figures that we see already kind of introduced here. First off was Corvo. Corvo Otano, uh, he is in both games. I will try to include links to the Wikipedia or the fan wiki for Dishonored, which again, as most of these games that I thankfully have had recent really good luck with this, uh, the wiki that is set up for Dishonored is amazingly well done. It's very detailed. Uh, fair warning, there are 
you know, obviously spoilers with some of this stuff. Uh, we're going to kind of enter into spoiler territory following about this point. So if you have interest in this game and you don't want to be spoiled, this is kind of your final warning for that. Um, so to kind of go back, I'm going to include links to all these these next few characters uh, that I will be mentioning. I will do that all in show notes. Yes. Can I? Yeah. Can I make a fun fact type thing? Yeah. Go for um, it. You mentioned the chaos system. That's not to be confused with the the engine, the game mechanic engine that they use, because oh, correct, initially. Yeah. They use the Unreal Engine for Dishonored, the original Dishonored, and for the second game, which there's, they made an in-house um, engine mm-hmm. that they called the Void Engine, and it specifically was made essentially for almost just this one mission that is kind of iconic, where you're you're flipping back and forth between times, right? And, right, and, and this whatnot. was this was developed by Arcane. Uh, studios yes. and published by Bethesda. So this is yet another Bethesda yes. game, uh, which is why you're going to kind of note that the world building here is pretty complex. Um, there and... are tons of literary Easter eggs. Oh, yeah. There's tons Gosh. of, there's just tons of Easter eggs for other um, games within um Bethesda, there's Skyrim references. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There's there's tons of funny. them, um, which yeah. is which is standard for a lot of Bethesda titles. But uh, oh, real yeah. quick, so the first the the main figure that we're going to talk or that we will be kind of dancing around is Corvo. Uh, Corvo is the main figure of the first title, and basically he's really presented as a really powerful individual within the land of the island of Circanos. Uh, and one of the reasons why he's kind of got this this power to him is that historically he was actually born in a lower class family. Uh, So this is going to be taking place in roughly the 1800s during the equivalent of an industrial revolution. So classes aren't, they're not necessarily hard coded caste, but they are kind of determined. They do kind of determine how one lives their life. And Corvo is actually rare in the sense that he was born in a lower class family, but he joined the military and through basically service there and proving himself there, he actually rose all the way up to becoming the bodyguard of the Empress herself uh, and took on the title of the Lord Protector or Royal Protector, which is uh, two titles for the same position. Uh, so he he is a he's a very, very capable individual. Uh, and ultimately, that capability is kind of both is a double-edged sword, really, because he gets targeted for that uh, with the death of the Empress. And that will kind of bring me to Empress Jessamine Caldwin, uh, who is the Empress of the, Imp- or of the Empire of the Isles. And she is being, she is killed, excuse me, <clears throat> she is killed by the assassin Dodd uh, on the orders of the royal spymaster Hiram Burroughs. However, before her death, Jessamine actually is is witness to her daughter, Emily Caldwin being kidnapped by Dodd's assassins. So right before she's, she's killed, she sees her daughter being kidnapped. Um, and as she passes, she basically manages to kind of give Corvo the dying wish to have her daughter, you know, basically be brought back to rule as well as protect her going forward. Uh, this will be important 
with the confirmation of some events in uh, Dishonored 2 that we get. But basically, her assassination and then the circumstance of Emily being kidnapped gives the uh, royal spymaster, Hiram, the ability to charge Corvo with not only treason, but kidnapping and murder, and they imprison him, which then leads into the the whole event of the uh, loyalist kind of breaking him out, and he joins up with their fight and... Ultimately, will that's kind of the plot of Dishonored is their reclaiming of the throne for uh, Emily. Uh, Emily is obviously the daughter of the the Empress uh, in the initial title, and actually we see Emily grow in Dishonored two into a very formidable figure of her own, and that mm-hmm. is mo- and that is because she is personally guided and protected by her father Corvo. So we find out and we actually so it it was hinted in Dishonored that Corvo was uh, Emily's father, but it actually gets confirmed pretty much immediately with Dishonored 2 that they are actually, you know, father and daughter, Uh, which kind of explains why Emily has not just the strength of uh, character, but also the aptitude with the supernatural powers that Corvo had due to the outsider gracing him with that ability. Uh, to kind of step back real quick, though, to talk about Dodd, who is actually Dodd is actually a really interesting figure too, because for the most part, Dodd, as we experience his interactions in the game of Dishonored, he's an antagonist. But Dodd is actually a protagonist in some of the uh, DLC games for Dishonored. And mm-hmm. he actually presents a a story that will tie into Dishonored 2 uh, that I'll get to in just a second. But he's actually a character that we see both sides of. We see him as an, as an evil character at first. And then we're actually introduced to him as a protagonist and actually you play as Dodd in one of the, uh, in I think both the expansions, if I remember. Uh, but Dodd is the leader and he's arguably the founder of a group of assassins known as the Whalers. And they operate in Dunwall during a period of time called the Rat Plague, which is basically the initial title, Dishonored. Uh, he is responsible personally for the death of Empress Jessamine Caldwin and is also responsible for the kidnapping of her daughter, which will ultimately lead to you know, his demise, because that doesn't go over well. Uh, the other the other person of note here is the Lord Regent Hiram Burroughs. Uh, this is the Empress's spymaster and ultimately the mastermind of her death uh, with the assistance of Thaddeus Campbell. Uh, Regent or Hiram is actually responsible for the idea of framing Corvo for the murder and abduction of Emily, uh, which doesn't end well for him because basically that kind of sets into motion the path of having Corvo kill Hiram at the end of, uh, or at uh, three-fourths the way through Dishonored. He's actually not the final boss, but he is one of the big, big bads that is close to the end. Uh, his co-conspirator was Thaddeus Campbell. Uh, Thaddeus Campbell introduces is introduced as the high overseer of a establishment known as the Abbey of the Everyman. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a bit, but the Abbey of the Everman, he, uh, he was the high overseer in 1837 and, you know, again, he was in league with Hiram Burroughs and basically through the political clout and the, um, mil- not military, but the, um, legislative clout that he brought to the table, he was actually able to be a really, really useful component within the plot to co- the the coup against the Empress. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there was anyone else in one that was a major. F- oh, Granny Rags. Granny which, Rags. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about her a little bit beforehand. Um, Granny Rags was is so creepy. Granny, oh gosh, she is so creepy and yet so sad at the same time. Loves rats. Yeah, she. Well, and it kind of makes sense. So Granny Rags is a powerful and partially immortal witch uh she, and the reason why she's kind of an immortal witch is similar to corvo she actually has supernatural powers that were granted to her by the outsider uh her original name or her her old name was vera moray uh she was a wealthy aristocrat that lived in the high reaches of society who took uh took a chance on an expedition to a continent known as pandician uh or pandicia and it's just, and we'll, again, we'll get into a little bit about Pandicia in a bit when I talk about the geography of the world, but it didn't go well. Uh, and basically, as a result of this this expedition and the failure, she was one of the only survivors. I think she was maybe even the only survivor to make it back to Dunwall. Uh, but because of this, in the process of surviving that, she became a practitioner of black magic and then slowly through time descended into madness. So by the time we actually encounter Granny Rags, uh, there is really nothing left of Vera Murray other than kind of a, a sense of being an aristocrat. Um, but that is that is definitely overpowered by the insanity that has that has overwhelmed her. Uh, she, it's actually kind of a her, her particular story is kind of it's kind of pitiful and sad in a way. Um, so it's that kind of pitiful. I mean, everybody's story. Like the Rat Boys story is pitiful. There's a lot of stories that are just right kind of heartbreaking, and that is kind of the overarching tone within Dis- Dishonored. Um, it's very, it's very steampunk. I guess would be the best terminal, best term for it. Uh, like I said, it sort takes, of yeah. It takes place during an industrial revolution in like the 1800s ish era of of an equivalent world similar to our own uh it's definitely not earth uh there's there's and we'll get into that with the geography the geography is very significantly different as is the presence of the supernatural uh which actually i'm Mm going to use that as a segue to kind of talk about the outsider which the outsider again you want to talk about a painful story the outsider the story of the outsider is very con convoluted and very complex but basically what who the outsider is is the outsider is a powerful being that is described in multiple places as a mixture of god and the devil uh and his importance to the game is really that he imprints his mark on corvo and and dishonored and that mark gives corvo magical abilities and also actually gives him a mechanically altered heart which he actually can it's not his heart it's a it's a separate heart and this heart will tell corvo secrets about things so it's like a it's like a uh to kind of link it back to destiny it's almost like ahamkara bone it whispers Mm -hmm. sweet nothings to corvo and it actually kind of helps you uh through a game mechanics wise it kind of helps you guide you and guide your actions in the game uh the outsider usually appears to people that interest him as a plain looking young man with short brown hair and black eyes and he usually is wearing a brown coat blue gray pants and black boots 
Uh, Though many people worship him, such is considered heresy by the Abbey of the Everyman and is punishable by extreme measures up to and including death. I actually do have an extremely interesting article about the outsider uh, that analyzes his character and and kind of makes the argument that you can't simplify him by saying that he's just evil. Uh, and it's through, I believe it's the PC Mag on this one. The PC Magazine was the one that did this one. one PC Gamer, yeah. One of the guys who I was kind of referencing for a lot of my research in the basically compared him somewhat to loki more so than necessarily um lucifer in the fact that he is a kind of a trickster god a lot of what happens granted his story how he gets turned into a god is super sad but Mm -hmm. in in some ways he's not really a god he's the the magical being in charge of the void but the his whole thing with marking people and giving them the the powers that he gives them it's not out of benevolence it's not out of wickedness it's literally out of amusement so he's definitely a kind of a guy who is doing things just to uh, amuse himself i guess is an easy way to yeah think. and that's kind of that's kind of where this this article from pc gamer makes the it makes the argument that like his nature is very chthonic which is a uh, mm-hmm. lovecraftian term uh it's basically like it's incapable of being understood uh he's infinitely mm-hmm. he's just infinitely complex and it's it's like He's designed as a character to be beyond even the player's knowledge, but his attitude towards uh, Corvo and to, you know, Granny Rags and towards Emily even to a degree. And then I think there's also in Death of the Outsider, which is one of the more recent DLCs, uh, I can't remember the the protagonist that you play as, but like the interaction there too, he's constantly interacting with the player or the characters as like, with intimate conversations, like very intimate conversations, like, you know, everyone knows what he's talking about with, even though you have no clue what he's talking about. Um, and like the argument of this article is like, you, you can, you can argue that it's an archetypal trickster figure, but it's actually, that kind of actually doesn't do it full justice. Oh no, he's Lovecraftian. He's similar to like Lovecraft. He's similar to Loki. He's similar to uh, Lucifer or Satan, and a lot of like his. I he's not painted as any single one for sure. Oh right, yeah, and and it's actually the I'm I, and again I'm gonna link this one, but it's actually they the argument that's being made is that you know because the outsider was a sacrificial victim uh the granting of the outsider's power by the void which is an important distinction too that we'll get into as well uh the void is pretty much like this uh, this underlying animus of everything it it just it's mm-hmm. everywhere it's very important to dishonored um, it's like the, I don't, there's nothing really to describe the void. It's just there. The void is what gave the outsider his abilities and his power. The, the outsider came about after the void and the arguably void is where all magic comes from. Yeah. And arguably it's almost where everything can arguably come from. I have, I, I will get into, I have a really interesting, uh, 
uh, article on that as well. But like it's it's argued that the outsider actually gained his power because of the sacrifice that cost him his life. So it took he paid with the the power that he got came at the cost of his humanity. So he's no longer even human. Like he he's like no. this just like really weird like thing. He's he's almost like an animate and an avatar of the void in a way. Um and so and there's like, always an avatar for the void too. Right, like, right. There was one before him, there will be one after him. Right. And, and so that's, that's why, again, this article that is from PC gamer that I'm going to, I'll actually quote this real quick. Uh, they say as a sacrificial victim pushed to the margins of society and reviled by the community that rejects him, he assumes the role of pharmacos and a pharmacon is an ancient Greek social ritual of catharsis, cleansing and sacrifice. The victims pharmacoi were required whenever a threat real or imagined destabilized the borders and hierarchies of a community to the point of crisis. Disease, war, famine, or a lack of resources could all disrupt the community to the point of escalating all-encompassing violence. Quelling these became a psychic and social necessity to avoid irreversible damage, and so a pharmacos would be chosen from along the marginalized and either ritually murdered or exiled. Typically bathed, adorned, and treated as sacred, this act of unifying violence through sacrifice would expel not just the victim, but also all the social ills that the victim would come to represent. All evil, violent, and immoral acts became associated with the pharmacos regardless of his guilt. The pharmacos is therefore granted immense, enormous power by the community. He has the means to both destroy it and save it. It is no accident that the root word pharma means both poison and cure. The paradoxical double meaning demonstrates the power of scapegoating as curative violence ends poisonous violence. It might seem strange to draw a connection between a modern-day video game and an ancient Greek social ritual, but the themes and patterns that come to us from antiquity still have power over our lives. The most revered act of ritual murder across the globe, an event which underpins the language and literature of Western culture, is Christ's crucifixion. We are still preoccupied with sites of abuse and victimhood because their ability to transcend boundaries that divide mankind. We are all vulnerable to violence. We are all vulnerable to abuses of power. Suffering is a facet of our lives that can level us all. How power employs, perpetuates, and quells violence within a community are questions that we have explored through our, throughout our history. And, and that's the end of the quote that I really wanted to use from this one. But their, <clears throat> their argument is that that is really kind of at the crux of what it is for the outsider to exist. He, he's, he's that pharmacos figure within the dishonored world. And it's, it's almost sad because of all of them, he's one of the ones that in game, like in game, you actually don't get a lot of that. Uh, you don't get a lot of that story. It's actually through the collectibles that you are able to yeah. unlock in game. You, you do in the second one. Um, oh, do you? Okay, okay. Because the second one is when you find out more about his story and everything. Um, because you kill him in the second one. Right, yeah, because I think that's the... Is that the... Like I said, I think that's the most recent DLC is Death of the Outsider. Mm-hmm. Is that the one where we find out that there's always an avatar? Yes, I believe so. I think that's where that that actual link came from. There's a couple um, books specifically mm-hmm. related to mm-hmm. the coven that talks oh, about it. Oh, yeah. More. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But that's the latest DLC where we get the most information about him in general because he 
is kind of a amorph not amorphous but a character that you don't you interact with but you don't really see mm-hmm. and the only thing you get touched by is literally getting the mark on the hand which are is not the, the great the great tattoo i love it right and there are actually only like i believe there if i remember correctly eight that have that mark right now or had or have that mark at any point that in time sounds right i believe because I don't think Granny has it. Does she no, doesn't she doesn't have she, the mark? She just has the power or some of the power. She has like the coven type thing. Like there's a different there's different ways to gain power with the void. Um, one mm-hmm. of them is through like a blood infusion, a sanguine ritual. Mm-hmm. Another one is through the mark of um, what's his name. There's others. There's other ways too, but the coven has is one of the ways to do it as well. But yeah, those characters, those characters are a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of actually leads us into the main or the major characters, arguably from uh, the second title, which are mostly going to be uh, the antagonists, because the protagonists in the second title, as we've kind of talked about, are Emily and Corvo. Uh, so we kind of already know them. Uh, in the mm-hmm. second title, we are introduced to two major antagonists. And this is just the vanilla second one. I didn't get a chance to do a lot of looking into the DLCs. Uh, and actually, one of the... Well, the DLC, there is... Uh, Delilah is actually in the DLC from the first one, but not. I haven't had a chance to look at the second one's DLCs just yet. Uh, the first individual from the second title is Luca Abel. Uh, Luca is the new Duke of Circanos uh, due to the recent death of his father, Theodanus. And Luca's kind of role within the game is he is the one that provides the military strength of Delilah's coup against Emily for the throne. Uh, and it's to note that in contrast to Theodanus, who was a very benevolent uh, figure, Luca is very oppressive. He oppresses his people and it actually kind of provokes acts of rebellion against his authority. Uh, And apparently he's also very openly disdainful for the Abbey of the Everyman, which is a kind of a interesting step for someone in power to take because the Abbey of the Everyman is kind of responsible for a lot of the, the um, uh, legal, not the legal, um, God, what am I trying to say? The uh, military police. They're they're kind of the the enforcers of the empire, if you will. Uh, but real quick, Delilah Copperspoon uh, is the other main antagonist in the second title. And Delilah is a witch and is also the half-sister, an illegitimate sister, to Jessamine. And this is a relationship that she uses to justify deposing Emily from the throne. Uh, the same Delilah whom the outsider tasked Dodd with investigating is revealed to be the leader of the powerful coven, which we kind of mentioned uh, already, which is called the Brigmore Witches. Uh, Dowd actually defeats her, uh, and the, the way that it basically plays out is that Delilah was attempting to possess Emily at the time, and Dowd thwarted those plans, which led to 15 years after that defeat in the Brigmore Witches, she uh, resurges in Dishonored 2 as the main antagonist and successfully completely just usurps Emily when she's the Empress. And so she takes over 
Uh, and during her reign, which only lasted roughly a year, she takes the name of Delilah Caldwin, uh, which is kind of a nod to her hereditary right to the throne. Um, and the reason why she needs that is that because at the time of the Empire of the Isles being formed uh, in 1626, which was following a, a very massive war that was known as the War of the Four Crowns, the Empire was formed uh, comprising of the four separate nations in that area. And so it, it basically became a way to kind of blend those regional governments and cultures and they did that through hereditary emperor or empress. So ever since that founding in 1626, up until what we have now in 1852, that has been re- that has been ruled hereditarily through that same family. Uh, to note, though, uh, though trade and interaction between the nations of the empire is expansive, and it's pretty much generally a, a not necessarily a happy media or happy state. It's a pretty even state, uh, the state of the international relations is dubious during the events of the dishonor due to the political intrigue and other minor conflicts between the nations. Um, and so the contrast to the hereditary emperors, they don't just have a dictatorship because not only do they have an emperor or empress, they often, they also have a legislative parliament that helps curb possible excesses of the monarch, as well as a long line and a long list of aristocrats and other influential members of a high society that largely dominate its political affairs. So it's not just a one man or one lady show, ruling the, the whole thing. They have to contend with a lot of different people. Um, okay. So that kind of brings me into, there is one more character. I think that okay, go for it, go for should it. be mentioned. Uh, Billy. Billy is one of the characters from the original that is kind of a jerk face. She's one of the antagonists. Um, not a nice character, not a nice character to deal with. She's also in the second one as kind of an apprentice. Or no, she takes over as one of the... Gosh, what was it? She takes over as one of the guard type things. Anyway, she is a one of the other pivotal characters. Not as a one that you follow a ton, but she's there a lot. Who And then I know you play as someone else. Um, you're talking, is it Billy Lurk? Is that yeah Dodd yeah Dodd's Billy Dodd's partner, and she is she's the protagonist in Death of the Outsider, correct? Yes, I believe, I believe yeah. so. Okay, she's the one who is working with them because I believe Dow dies. Or yes, Dow dies. One of the yeah, Dow dies because uh, you see him in the void, and he's yeah. like being he's being plagued by his. Um, bad decisions basically oh yeah as always as always um so real quick so bill okay so that's and that's billy lurk uh who is dowd's second in command um and then yeah she uh she will then later become the protagonist that we play with as in death of the outsider um i think that I think that's a good point to kind of jump into a basic timeline. So these, these are specific characters and now to kind of back up a little bit and look at the whole world and the the kind of the concept of a basic timeline here. 
um, we had, um, like I said, we had the War of the Four Crowns in 1825. Following that conclusion, basically, it was decided that it was going to need to be a an alliance of everyone that was really involved with the four crowns and that took place in 1626 uh, and that was when the first empire emperor was brought or was I, I can't remember if he was elected or if he was just through trade and all that but the emperor took over the caldwins took over at that point um so 1626 to 1700 was really kind of the foundation of the empire of the isles. Uh, and then in 1700 to about 1800s, uh, we see the introduction and the rise of a political group known as the Abbey of the Everyman. And the Abbey of the Everyman, excuse me, the Abbey of the Everyman is, uh, based really in the cities of Whitecliffe and Dunwald. So Dunwall is the main city that we play in, in the first title. And I believe, um, Karnaka is the dishonor too. So we don't really play in Whitecliffe that much, but Whitecliffe and Dunwall are the main kind of centers of the Abbey. And the Abbey really centers around the idea of the universe as being unnobly vast and swarming with all manners of dangerous spirits and forces, most of which are hostile to mankind's existence. So their primary goal is really to stand against the outsider. Um, that's kind of their central tenet is they are completely against the outsider uh, and everything that he does or stands for. Uh, however, they are often tasked with civil matters, uh, which includes, if it's not limited to officiating marriages, regulating the Isles calendars and an event known as the fugue feast. Uh, we see the regent when uh, Hiram overthrows Jessamine. We also see them being granted the full authority of civilian police force, which kind of never gets taken away, if I remember correctly, uh, which, you know, that causes a lot of fun in not only the Dishonored title, but also Dishonored 2. Um, bum, 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 bum. <clears throat> so that's that's the Abbey of the Everman. Abbey of the Everman, it's it's another one that has kind of a, a really interesting very weird history. Uh so they're they're really getting their roots established, their foundation built in the empire. Then about the eighteen hundreds, that's when this industrial age kind of starts. Uh there's a couple uh, things what's up? What was what was the name of the scientist that basically helps kick off that that age? He's Morley? super pivotal. Morley insurrection no. or Gosh, why am I blanking? <clears throat> I know about the Morley insurrection. Uh, do, 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 do. Sokolov. Sokolov. Anton yeah, Sokolov. I was about to say, yeah, Sokolov just popped up. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And, and so anyways, this was the Morley insurrection was in 1801 to 1803. It was a two year thing. Um, and basically, it was pretty much there was a violent uprising, and the it just it just was a very bad time. And the conclusion, really, uh, of the particular uprising was the assassination of one of the empresses at the time. Um, and so that didn't 
bode well and then they elected a regent and i believe it actually was uh the war was actually ended in 1802 but <clears throat> there was a lot of intrigue and stuff like that that actually didn't end until 1803 so the, the war the physical like the actual war ended in 1802 but it was nearly a year later before all the the um ramifications and after effects of this particular insurrection kind of were felt or were finished and that led into what's known as the first regency in 1803 um and that was really the establishment of like really firmly the establishment of specifically the caldwin line uh up until now that had been i believe the last and then uh different different families but they've all been kind of related through like through lineage wise but the caldwins took place after the morley insurrection um <clears throat> excuse me man so after that we had so 1803 uh caldwin takes takes over um and then it's in 1835 which is the time of the first title dishonored that we have what's known as the plague crisis and this is where Jessman Jessman is assassinated. Uh, Corvo is accused. Emily goes disappear. Emily disappears, and from 1835 to 1837, there's just like pretty much chaos. There's military um, militia. You know, uh, military law is imposed on most of the empire. It's not a good time, and in 1837, which is basically the end of the ti- the first title. Emily is returned and she takes over the throne and she takes back the throne and leads and becomes the woman that we see in Dishonored 2. Dishonored 2 takes place in 1852, which is 15 years after, and that starts off with the the dethroning of Emily and the crowning of Delilah and then ends with the dethroning of Delilah and the resurgence of Emily. Um, Mm -hmm. However, the interesting thing there is the ending of, you don't have to kill Delilah. Uh, There is the alternate ending. There's two separate endings possible there. Uh, And the actual ending of that game, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to spoil that one because it is a really interesting ending because Delilah is kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh, if it's a very common thing for most of the antagonists in this particular series, uh, but mm-hmm. she, her entire goal is to basically create a perfect world, and her process of doing that is very much in line with the conclusion to Dishonored Two, and I think that that was actually one of my favorite things about reading about Dishonored Two was that entire conclusion of that story arc. It was very um. It was very uh, Dorian Gray, if that makes sense. But yeah, so that's that's like a really general overview of the basic timeline throughout not just the current two titles that we have as well as some of the DLCs, but also kind of what was leading into those two titles. Um, that kind of brings me to the geography, which, as you might have kind of sur- you know inferred so far, Yay. there's islands, and that's pretty much all there is. Uh, well, yeah, that we know of. That we major, know of the ma- yeah that we know of, and also the major cities. 
that are on it are relative to things that we have in our right. Oh, yeah. World, no, they when are, I say island, not, they are not. They are large bodies of land. Like these are not like yes Hawaii size islands. These are you know decent decent size islands. Um, like Gristol, for example. So the Gristol is the central mo- or centrally located island. Uh, it's known for rolling green hills and foggy meadows. It's the imperial center of the Emperor of the Isles. Uh, these cities that are located here are the imperial capital, Dunwall, um, as well as half of the population of the entire empire. So that kind of gives you an idea. Gristol is a very large body of land. Um, and it's known for farming, shipping, whaling. Whaling is a very important thing in this series. Oh my gosh. It's super important. Yes. We'll, we'll get into that when we talk about the void. Um, and mining. And is obviously a proud supporter of pretty much everything Imperial. Like the Imperial Navy, the Army, whatever. They are very big on supporting that because they are kind of the seat of power. Uh, a couple of the other areas or the other cities that we have on Gristle or Gristle are Bailton, Driscoll, Old Lamprow, uh, Poolwick, Potter's Head, Redmore, and Whitecliffe, which we had mentioned about the Abbey. Um, the next island is Circanos, which you might remember is where Corvo kind of comes from. Uh, Circanos is the southernmost island and is known for warm, temperate climates and has basically beaches. That's pretty much what it is. Uh, even though, even so, most of the people there are very hardworking, and actually, this island is noted in game as being the preferred retreat for pretty much all the nobility because it's pretty much a tropical paradise. Um, the cities that we have on Circanos are Carnica, which is the capital and is the main setting of Dishonored 2. Uh, then we also have Bastillion, Culero, and I believe it is Segunto, uh, are the other cities. And I can't remember if we actually see any of those or if they're just mentioned. That brings us to Tivia, or Tivia, Tivia. Uh, which is the northernmost island that is under the control of the High Judges, which is a quasi-military tribunal. Tavia is a very cold and harsh climate and is home to basically oars and really independent people. Uh, the city of or the cities that are in Tivia or Tivia are I'm not going to butcher these names Dabokva Dabokva. Dabakva. Dabakva. I have no idea. Dabokva. Dabokva. Dab. The Dab city. Um, oh, which God, is the capital. Alexan. Alexan. Kaltan. Yeah, go for it. Maya. Freedom. Samara. Tamarack. Waygon. And Yarrow. Yeah. And then I Morley. Don't... Yay, Morley. I like. Okay, so <laughs> I. <laughs> Morley and um, Dunkirk are definitely um, areas that remind me of other areas in real life of places I'd like to go, aka London and Ireland slash um, the like Welsh area. Anyway, Morley has uh, Winenden, Alba, which is an old name for other things, Erin, uh, Kalkenny, and Freyport. Yeah, and, and it, no, go for it, go for it. It's an island that is ruled by a king and is known for its gloomy cli- climate and hearty populace, as well as poets, musicians, philosophers, and food. 
food. Sounds yes. like sounds like Ireland. Okay, let's get to the metaphysics. This is the part that I've been excited for. So, so that's the geography. Uh, and one, uh, one, one place I do want to mention before we go to the metaphysics, real quick, is uh, Pendicia. Um, so, uh, the, well, it's a good segue. It's the segue that I also would be lead into because Pendicia, the Pendician content, is actually the largest known landmass in the world of Dishonored. Um, however, that being said, it remains completely unpopulated by the people of the Empire of the Isles. But this isn't because of lack of attempts. Uh, so the the Empire kind of believes that there is no civilization upon the continent. Uh, this belief is really encouraged by the Abbey of the Evermen because they view the people of Pandicia as nothing but brute savages. However, those brute savages, combined with the a violently bizarre ecosystem and almost completely inhospitable terrain, have prevented all colonization efforts by the Empire to date. Not that they have stopped trying, but they just they cannot. I think they finally got a foothold and managed to build a small port town, but like mm-hmm. that was after decades of attempting, like of attempts. No, like it, it was used yeah. to. It used to have um, civilizations there. It no well, longer I, does because that's where the plague comes from. Right, and arguably there are civilizations there. They just view those individuals as uncivilized. Like it's it's very mm. very stereotypical um, Western European them. European expansion type presentation. Yeah. I, I get the feeling is reading the Pandesian continent thing. But the important thing yeah. about the Pandesian continent is Pandesia is kind of really connected to the void more so than even kind of you see with the islands of the empire, uh, which I'm going to kind of use that as the segue to introduce the void. Uh, the void is described in game by Delilah actually as something that is unspeakable. It is infinite and it is nowhere ever changing and perpetual. There are more things in the endless black void than are dreamt of in your natural philosophy. And so I'm going real quick green. I'm going to quote this article. It's a pretty long quote, so bear with me, but it, it does a pretty good job of explaining kind of a general summary of the void. And then I'm going to hand it over to you for, for your piece. And this, this is a quote from Andrea in, I think it's Enderwildy uh, from over at Eurogamer. I will be including the link to the full article uh, for everyone in the show notes. But uh, Andrea says, quote, any inquiry into the metaphysics of dishonored stands and falls by the void, that shadowy realm that is the source of all magic, witchcraft and arcane knowledge. Even the outsider who appears as an ancient God that grants his arcane mark to the player ultimately derives his powers from the void, not the other way around. Sometimes the shifting void seems to be a place entirely its own, existing largely independently of that other world. Sometimes it appears as a reconfiguration or twisted mirror image of fragmented and distorted places existing in reality, or even as a parallel dimension, existing alongside the natural world while sometimes overlapping or intruding into it. Hell might seem like the most obvious contender at first, but the comparison falls apart quickly. It may be a sinister place, and there is some evidence that it serves as some sort of afterlife, but while the spirits of doubt and others you may encounter in the end of Death of the Outsider don't seem too happy there, they're not exactly being tortured by anything besides their own regrets. 
A better choice might be the primordial chaos of various creation myths, such as the Greeks, which is seen as the unformed state of the cosmos before it was given shape through an act of creation or separation that brings order to the chaos. Given the void's frequent association with the ocean, the description of the unformed chaos in Genesis is especially tantalizing. Quote, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters from the King James Version. Of course, the void differs from the primordial chaos insofar as it exists alongside the fully formed world. But then again, we know that time works very differently in the void, so it might be possible to view it as a sort of remnant or glimpse of that original chaos. To grossly oversimplify, Plato's theory of form and the schools of thought it would later influence posited that we live in an imperfect world and that the things we perceive are like distorted shadows thrown by ideal, unseen forms. In other words, there exists, depending on the interpretation, either a metaphorical or very real realm of ideals whose emanations constitute the world as we see it. Given how the forms of the natural world often appear in the void as fragmented, twisted shadow images, it could be said that the void is to the world of Gristle and Circonos as the imperfect world of platonic thought is to the realm of the ideal. And yet, it's more complicated than that. After all, the void is more ancient than the world of humans, and heretics, heretics all over the empire believe that the void holds deeper truths than the natural world, and the powers that are bestowed upon them by the void seem to confirm this belief. The void manifests itself in the natural world in different ways. As mentioned above, there seem to be sympathetic affinity between the void and the ocean. As a result, the creatures that live in the deep waters have special connections to the void. The whales of Dishonored are mysterious creatures whose song seems to have a special effect on the people of Dunwall and whose bones are carved into whispering scrimshaw that channel the powers of the void. And that's the end of that quote. So with that being said, I just I really like that because of the explanation of uh, the platonic philosophy as far as the uh, mm -hmm. ideal, uh, because it, it right. makes a lot of sense when you kind of are introduced to the void initially. Uh, so I, I really, really appreciate his particular, their particular analysis over there at Eurogamer. But uh, I know you had some, some thoughts on the void as well. There's a couple of different things. Um, going back to the whales, the, the, the connection between the biblical text that we know, as well as the concept of things connected to the void and dishonor. Links the uh, the idea of Leviathan. Um, they're actually called Leviathan, and if I remember correctly, there's a book within Dishonored, the original game, that talks about them as well. And all of the whaling that ends up happening, whalers are a big part of the economy at this time too. Um, the whale oil, the the carving of runes out of the bones, those are used for different things. There's just a ton connected to the two and the cosmic whale is um if i remember correctly isn't there a mythology where there's a cosmic whale uh yeah or am i, I just i can't remember if the cosmo or the the, the cosmology I know, I, yeah i know that there is a mythology of the whales um i can't remember let me look real quick to see if i can find it to move on to a different concept something that I find interesting is when there is kind of that heaven and hell, heaven and hell feel to it in the fact that the void is unto the void you go when you die type thing. But if you supposedly lead a really good life, you don't go into the void. You just 
cease to exist entirely. Those who are not so good go and to deal with all of that. But the the metaphysics with the void and how the void itself seems to be an entity in some respects of itself, even though it's a location as well as um, a power source and everything like that. It seems to have its own will because the void always manifests itself a um, not a supervisor, but a avatar. um, Thank you. Avatar. Why that word that was difficult. Yeah, I, I had the same problem earlier. I was like, there's a word that I want, and I can't remember right. it. So you have the outsider, who's the avatar currently. Well, currently, as in right before the end of uh, Dishonor 2. But the the thing with the the avatar itself, it doesn't... There can be t- periods of time where the avatar is not there like there is no avatar for the void it could be a long period of time it could be a short period of time but there's always the manifestation of one and there's there's a lot of people out there who theorize that the once one avatar is destroyed or dies or moves on or basically orchestrates his own demise which is another theory going around there is something at work in the world to create a new one, whether it's like the poor outsider that we were talking about earlier, who was a child who was murdered and a cult thing and the same knife that was used to essentially turn him into the outsider and the avatar within it. That was the knife that slit his throat is the knife that ends up trying to kill him at the end. But I digress. That lore gets really, really convoluted. Mm-hmm. But I like this concept of the void and the fact that it is arcane knowledge and mystical, but at the same time, you can, there's somewhat science tied into it. A lot of the ones who are use it, use it very scientifically. Um, it's very, almost, it out. it's almost alchemy in some degree. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. And it kind Even of makes like me wish. Because the, they have rune circles and stuff. Like oh, they're yeah. very, they're very are um, uh, precise in the way that they manipulate the energies and stuff like that. I, 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 yeah, I do completely see that what you're talking about with that. Yeah, it really makes me wish that they would dive more into it like that. Destiny, because mm-hmm. I see, I certainly see a lot of um, relative things. Because any time you talk about the concept of a void, there's going to be some very sim- similar things that come up. I really wish they would go into it like Dishonor did, but that is just my wish list. Right, and I think I think the other thing too is that you're seeing holding holding Destiny and Dishonored, you know, together. Uh, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges, to be fair, but you also see oh, yeah. the difference between um, what is generally like a Bethesda title, like the the very very uh, focused on granular aspects of things and then Bungie uh Bungie tends to be more about the overarching sweeping uh story arcs and the world the world in general and they have detailed characters but those usually come after the world has been kind of not necessarily flushed out but but broadly stroked. conceptualized mm-hmm. uh whereas 
Bethesda kind of does the does an opposite. They go from an inside out kind of look, and Bungie kind of tends to go from an outside end. Uh, it's just two kind of ways of world building that are they're not there's not there's not one that's better. It's just two different approaches. The void is fascinating. The void is also terrifying, by the way. I yeah, chat chat's talking about like the explanation of the void. And the one that I like so far is the uh, con- the connection to uh, Stranger Things, the Upside Down, uh, oh, which yeah. is That's which is way. really accurate. I think, like, I kind of really think that Neverwhere, a... yeah, is another yeah Neverwhere, a little less creepy than the Upside Down, but yeah, yeah, right. Well, Neverwhere is a little bit more approachable. Yeah, <laughs> if you can find the door. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's another book. If you guys haven't read Neverwhere, you need to fix that immediately. Neil um, Gaiman or Gaiman, however you Gaiman, pronounce yeah. his name. Uh, yeah, gosh, that that book was and it's easy read too. Just mm-hmm. you should pick it. It's also a really decent uh, TV show. They actually did a pretty fair job on that one. Oh, um, I've seen it. Let's see. Do, 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 do. That's really actually honestly, I thought that was going to take me longer to get through. Um, we did good. We Head did team. really High good. Five. Yes, I think that's actually. I'm. I know it feels weird calling it on because we're about a little bit over an hour. Do you have anything in particular that you wanted to? How would you describe the gameplay in it? Yeah, I saw. Just I saw. So I saw that. I saw that who... over in chat. Um. So. If you if you guys have listened to us for a while, you know that I am very very much a like single player title fan, and especially when it comes to Bethesda and RPGs, I'm a sucker for a lot of them. Um, and I'll be honest, the only reason I have not picked up Dishonored Two was is because of my time. Like I just don't have time to play a lot of games that I really would get sucked into. And Dishonored, to be honest, is one of those. Um, as with most Bethesda titles, it's very, very... Um, you can get lost in the world. Uh, it's very open world. It's very The chaos system is probably one of my favorite... Um, Story... Uh, it's, it's, it's a good karma system. And I, I hesitate mm-hmm. to use the word karma system it's because it's better than fabled. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I'm not even going to, I enjoyed yeah. the fables. I know I, I cannot. I, so here's my, my problem with fable just real quick. My problem with fable is the artistic style. I can't get oh, over really? it. I can't stand. I thought it was adorable. It was that's, so cute. That's probably my problem with Fable is that it's just too cartoony. Like I can't get over it. It just bugs me so much. Um, okay, here's a question then. Did you ever play Kingdoms of Amalar? Briefly, yes. I don't remember it. That though. one's oh my god, that's got such good story. I remember, you yeah, because that's the one. Yeah, I think that was on the 360, if I remember. Mm-hmm. I'll have to well, see. I'll have to try to. I'll try to dig me. it up because I think I still have a copy of it somewhere. I'd have to remember. I don't remember exactly what system it was on, but it. I think it was Xbox One. Oh yeah, it, it might. I, actually, of, you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, that one was great. Had really good story because it was mm-hmm. basically teaching you the mythology of um, the British Isles while you're oh, playing. Okay. It. Yeah. Um. But as far like as far as like gameplay mechanics, uh, it's very much. It's very, very, very similar to Assassin's Creed 2, which yes. is very high praise for me. Um, Assassin's Creed 2 is probably one of my favorite titles because of the combat. Like, the game mechanics is just fluid. Like, it's, ju- it's, ju- it's just smooth. Like, everything you do just looks effortless. It just, it's very pleasing to watch. Uh, of course, Assassin's Creed is, you know, third person, so it's a little bit easier to watch that. Uh, Dishonored, you kind of have to get used to that type of that type of movement taking place, uh, but you're in a first-person perspective, uh, which reminds me a lot of Thief. If anybody's ever played Thief, it's very similar to those um, that type of thing. There are a lot of homages to Thief in the game as yes, well. Yes, there are. Well, and to be fair, a lot of the movement in Dishonored is extremely like is it's almost copy paste like it feels like it's almost copy paste from thief like a lot of like the the acrobatics that you do as corvo if you play more of a stealth approach which that's Mm -hmm. the other thing that's the to kind of to kind of go back to the chaos system that's the other thing that dishonored just completely hits the nail on the head with because the chaos system is just an ingenious way of allowing the player to really take control of the story, but not derail the story. Because yeah. you you have arguably this like living world, and it, I mean it's it's not, but it feels like when you're playing that everything you do actually does have an effect. Like if I don't kill this particular person, then that is going to have consequences. Now, whether or not that's a good consequence is entirely up to me to make that interpretation as a player. There is no um, pressure within the game really to do one or the other. Like you can be, you can be bloodthirsty or you can be completely, you know, completely sneak. And, and both of them are viable options. One of them, depending on how patient you are, might be more, you know, antagonize or agonizing to you as a player. But as far as like mechanics, they are both achievable. And I think that's, I think that speaks a lot to the development or to the the mechanics. And that's why actually I really like Dishonored is because it's one of those, it's a truly open experience and and it's just, it's fluid. To give you a really good example of how much detail they put into this game, there is, I don't know if it's necessarily considered an Easter egg or whatnot, but there is a mission where there's a town crier who is, he's hes kind of a jerk face. Like, he's just talking smack the whole time about you. And um, you basically have the opportunity to kill him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you choose to do so. If you choose to do so. And you basically bypass the end of the mission and go back to the spot where the crier is, the like, talking. It's a female crier now because they've replaced them. And <laughs> Easter egg, it's Carrie Fisher. Oh, is that she the Easter egg the, for her? Yeah, okay. Yeah, she voiced the line for the crier, the female crier, if you kill the male crier. So it's like, well, wait, wait, wait. That is a very oddly specific thing. First, you have to kill <laughs> the crier, and then you have to go back to that spot 
So what I'm hearing is I am actually getting rewarded for killing the cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Carrie Fisher is amazing. Rest in peace, princess. I I just, I mean, but I, I just, I really, like, for me as, like, a huge RPG fan, I really appreciate it when it's very obvious that the game developers have put immense thought into creating a world in which it it truly is kind of an open world like because that's that's very difficult especially from a storytelling perspective in video games that's extremely difficult like that's why i love all the elder scroll titles is because i'm i am notorious i will be like i play the first like half the mission and i'm like oh that's the main quest i'm going that way and i just completely don't go on the main quest and Dishonored is, I mean, it's more linear than that because you kind of are forced to do specific things and you, you're kept kind of on a leash as far as it goes for the storytelling. Um, but there are points at which you can, like, the, uh, there's there's a couple uh, events with Granny Rags that you have the option just to kind of go off and find out more about this, like, crazy old lady who's who's asking you to go do stuff. And like there's a there uh, there's an entire event with her where you have to you have the option to like defend her against the gang, like you can defend her mm-hmm. or you can just leave. Like there there's no, you know there's obviously consequences on both sides, but like that's entirely up to you. You get to choose that, and I just for me that's a, that's again that's just that's a huge thing. So I mean I, from from my perspective, if you haven't played at least the first one, I really I. I under my understanding is from a lot of people that they actually prefer the first one. I haven't played either or I haven't played the second one, so I can't weigh in on that. Right. But yeah, it was, Oh, (laughs) chat. Okay. We'll kill the time crier every time. I found that listening how oh, there there are actually a lot of really good um lore videos out there. By the way, our friend Bife actually has a few yep. videos on Dishonored, believe it or not. Um his are a little bit more overarching and not as as in-depth as a as like his Destiny videos, but they're still very good. There are a few other really, really nice um creators that are out there who go into such depth and talk about the void specifically and talk about there's like a guy who did a whole episode on the rat plague who did a whole episode Mm -hmm. on the whales themselves there's a lot of lore out there and this this title came out in what 2013 so it's an older title it's, it's an older title but it's a really fascinating world well, and I think it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, it's a, it's a unique, it was unique at the time and it still kind of is in the way that it takes, it takes up the, the concept of the steampunk, um, because it's like, it's, it's a steampunk esque. It's not, it's not hard. Like, it's not like fully steampunk, but it has that feel like uh, the the major um, the major image that a lot of people associate with Dishonored is Corvo's mask, like the you know the mechanic mask, and then like even the heart that you get from the outsider is a mechanical heart. It is a actual heart, but it has gears on it, and it's got like a little gauge on it. So it's like this weird like 
blend of fantasy and super and, and uh, steampunk and but it's not like because like thief is kind of the same but thief is much more much more steampunk i feel whereas dishonored is much more kind of that that supernatural alchemy alchemy type uh you know the void is much more prevalent in this title than the sense of supernatural in the thief world uh, the thief oh, yeah. universe because uh, like Garrett, Garrett has his own run in with supernatural, and you know he has a lot going on there, but it's not as overt as it is in Dishonored. Like not everyone in Thief's universe has access to the Void in the same way that kind of everyone has a way of some kind of interacting with the Void in Dishonored. Now whether or not they do is a completely different thing, but there, but it's accessible in a way in in various ways to different people. Like you have the Coven's, you have. Uh, you know the outsider, obviously, kind of actually interfering with things. Um, you have the Abbey of the Everyman to a degree. There are some things that they do that revolve around the void. Uh, you have the uh, continent of um, I keep wanting to say Pandomian, but it's Pandicia, uh, which arguably there's um, there's a lot of going on on Pandicia that connects to the void as well. By the way, every time. I hear it. I hear Pantasia, which is totally different. Yeah, see, I hear never mind. Anyways, um Yeah. That's a really long answer to game mechanics, but I I mean like again, if you guys if you guys haven't if if someone out there has not played it, I mean, if nothing else, I definitely would encourage you to go to YouTube and just like watch it. Because it is a really I mean they it's just aesthetically it's pleasing to watch it's got a great strong story it's got really interesting characters all of the characters are they all have something going on which is really cool like every character like there's there's a story behind most of the characters like there's not you never really run into like a flat character like even right. some of the even some of the characters that you know are like the police or whatever if you just sit around them they have like dialogue that goes on that kind of mentions things going on behind the scenes and i think that's really cool because it kind of it gives depth to the overall world in a way that a lot of developers don't do anymore uh because of they're wanting to get like linear like a linear gameplay uh so i just i really you know again i just can't i can't stress enough that the open world presence of depth is just overt as everything in dishonored oh lava shot just mentioned something about speedruns. the current world record holder as a this is, this is just insane he beat the entire game this is i believe this dishonored is... one in <laughs> 22 minutes i'm like how how <laughs> I don't know how he did. It's like the Mario. I swear, there's warp tubes in the game somewhere. <laughs> it's freaking amazing. Yeah, I, I do. I that because that's been the he's had that record for a while now, right? Yeah, he has. I mean, obviously, like once that record was set, it was kind of like, yep, that's not that. Nope. Mm-mm. Yeah, twenty-two minutes. It's crazy. I can't think of the guy's name, but it's. I'm sure if you looked up uh, speedrun Dishonored, it's it's freaking amazing. 
Yeah, they they have a uh, so speedrun.com has leaderboards and they have this dishonored on there. Oh, looks like for oh, oh, current, there's one that's 32, 32 minutes, not 22. Seven yeah, days okay. ago. Oh, I wonder if they they reset it every once in a while. Death of the Outsider, they beat in nine minutes and 58 seconds. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's just, yeah, 33.27 as of October 2nd. That's just ridiculous. Like, just just ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a knife at Dunwall. A guy beat it in five minutes. Some German guy. Crazy. Speed runs are fascinating. Yeah, anyway. they are. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, like I said, I typed up all these notes and I thought it was going to take me a lot longer to get through. It is okay. Mostly because I, I, I figured I would get distracted on platonic idealism. Kind of did. Yeah, I did. I, I think I did. And that's, that's a whole, like, I mean, that, to be fair, that's a whole different like the the mythology of dishonored really is a really fun thing to kind of get into and there's a lot of like the two articles that I'm going to link um from Eurogamer and PC Mag or PC whatever I can't ever remember that particular site um those two they're they're one of them uh PC is looking at the other and then Eurogamer is more generally the void but they're just two samples of like some of the just amazing pieces that have been put together, not just articles, but like, you know, green had mentioned there are YouTube videos out there that are really well done as far as like analysis analysis of the different aspects of these. And, and to be fair, again, a lot of these things have a lot of detail that you can, you can spend, I mean, you could spend hours just reading about, you know, different eras within the world and it's information and that is there books in the world. Right. And it's, it, which is, that's just Bethesda. I love Bethesda titles because of that particular thing. That's just something that's very common in their games. And you can actually sit down and like read They're They're actually like small books. Like they, it's just really cool. Uh, and it's a great way of telling the story within a game world. Um, but yeah, I I mean that's really all I had as far as like a summary view of of the game series. Um, so, do you want to do final thoughts and shoutouts? Final thoughts, sure. Uh, play the game. <laughs> it's really cheap right now at GameStop. I think you can find the Game of the Year edition, which was the first Dishonored, for like ten dollars. Yeah, it was also uh, on Xbox as one of the Xbox free games of the month type thing a while back. It's a it's a good game. It's not. It's definitely worth your time. You can put easily. 40 to 60 hours into the game if you want to. And because it's open world and so incredibly interactive, you can definitely get into it. Um, My first love with video games coming back to them when I was in college was the open world type feel with Oblivion and Skyrim. So Dishonored was right up my alley. 
especially with the sneak ability because you mm-hmm. gotta sneak everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only thing that would make Dishonored that much better is if I had a bow, but you know, <laughs> that's just me going back to my Skyrim crutch. But you could reach out and touch people. Yeah, I don't which like is, getting close. Which is so much fun. That's but, one of the one of the powers. Sorry, is is the like yeah. I think it's more prevalent in Dishonored too because Emily definitely has a more violent version of it, but Corvo does have a bit of it. And there's just unique unique abilities in both in both the games. Really, one introduces a lot of them, and then two, you get a completely different set of games or different abilities to utilize, which is fun and different. And I say play it. In my opinion, one was way better than two. Um, There was some story mechanics that kind of got jumbled into, and it just didn't feel as interactive as one did. But it could have been also the timing of when it came out, because two came out around the same time as a lot of other major titles. And it just kind of got ragged on pretty harsh. But uh, shout outs for anything else. We are officially, as of this recording, not necessarily as of the day it releases, but as of this recording, we are 180 days from Guardian Con. I have a countdown timer on my phone for two things. My sister's wedding, which is in April, and Guardian Con, which is in July. So if you have not gotten your ticket or air airline ticket or hotel or anything like that you are starting to get to the point where things are going to start running out as far as hotel tickets and guardian con tickets so 180 days start looking into it start getting plans together i want to put together a focus bar chat uh, meetup at some point in the evening i think we were talking about possibly thursday night for that Wednesday or Thursday night for most people, The, but we'll see. Check out the Discord. We'll get the uh, social events page going again as people mm-hmm. start getting closer and closer, and we'll talk about meetups in there. So that's my shout-out. Yep. Shout-out to my poor schedule-making for forgetting to upload the top three last week. Uh, so you guys will have lots of extra episodes this week. Um sorry um but yeah i also i mean i kind of second uh green's point you know if if you haven't played it or if you you know have played it briefly you know i i kind of determine my my time investment in games as far as like how many hours which is a pretty low bar because i'm willing to pay 16 bucks to go to a movie that's like two hours so a game that's 10 bucks and i can know that i'm going to get at least five hours of entertainment out of it's kind of hard to argue that uh, as far as like entertainment money spent so this is definitely you know this game is definitely on an a, a acceptable list if you don't have it uh, even you know a lot of games that are more like 20 30 dollars if you know like going into dishonored i can almost guarantee you that you if you give like a bit of exploration a chance you're gonna probably get lost in the game um and that's gonna be a couple hours worth of just entertainment you know just learning about the world and and just taking taking it in like it's just some of the coolest stuff is in the little corners that you find 
Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, I mean, if you have the time, if you have the extra cash, I definitely, definitely say that it's worth the investment. Uh, but yeah, and then other than that, um, you know, we're looking forward to what 2019 has. We just, we did our top three before this show. You'll get it after the show drops. You'll get it on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, we'll talk, we talked a little bit about what we were hoping for in the new year and what we're looking forward to. And, you know, I think that it's, you know, to quote green, to knock on wood, it looks like it's going to be pretty nice. Um, but we'll see. It's already kind of already a little bit happier. It feels like than two, 2018 was just a rough year. I think for a lot of people, I don't know why. Yep. I don't know why, but it just was, um, but yeah, so uh, we appreciate you guys, you know, tuning in and listening. Uh, let us know if there is a topic of extra lore that you want us to put on the polls for people to vote on. I think I saw. I know I'm going to get chat going I again, but but I think I on there already. Warhammer wants to be brought back, so we'll we'll put that back on and. <sighs> Deal with it the void can, again. Ring, we'll ring the pain bell. To come on. Ring, ring the pain bell. Yeah, near is on there. Near is on there. Um, y'all, y'all better was, vote for it. There was another one that I got asked I've, to put on I there recently. Look. Mortal Kombat, because Mortal Kombat 11 is, I think, coming soon. Oh yeah, that's soon. coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Couple, it's like a couple months yet, still, isn't it? For Mortal Kombat? Yeah, I believe so. But um but Beard, Beard and I were talking Hearts about that. 3. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts three in twenty four days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Maybe. Uh, yeah. They might push it back though another five years. Please no. <laughs> I wanna know I wanna as, know what uh, freaking happens. It's been too excited, long. As excited as I am, I may have to actually pass on it though for a while. We um, did Horizon Zero Dawn. Yep, we did a Horizon Zero Dawn, and I um, did that one from my porch. Yeah, that was uh, we had Potato on for that one. So yeah, but yeah, if yeah. you guys if you guys have a extra lore topic that is not on the poll currently, and but that poll is not running this weekend. It was running last weekend, which is why I'm confused. Um, but- just shoot us a, a shoot us a message and we'll get it added. Yeah, I'll just put a list of the poll topics that are for it. Should we just put it up in chat somewhere? So yeah, we can, can put it. We it. can put it in Discord. We'll put it in the Discord channel. That's definitely that way. You can they can see what episodes are available while we're yep. not have it as a pen message or something. Yep, sounds good. Uh, Beard, did you have any? Shout outs or final thoughts? Um, just that I wanted to uh talk about Thief the entire time. That yeah, the, yeah, it's quite yeah, it's if you've if you played Thief and not Dishonored, that is actually an easy way to kind of compare it. Like it's it very really it's very similar to Thief. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, though, yeah, just, uh, you know, stuff that I'd said early on, I guess through top three and whatnot, too, here in the beginning. Just, uh, you know, good luck in 2019. Uh, set goals for yourselves, but uh, 
think about what it takes to get there. Don't think about the, don't think about the destination. Think about the journey. Yeah, because uh, that's the best that's, part. Yep. But otherwise, that's uh, that's about it. That's 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 where I'm at while I'm sitting here in pain. That's all. <laughs> I'm sorry, beard. <laughs> it's fine. I really hope this is this is fine by like Tuesday because this is fine. I can't. Everything's fine. I just I can't. Everything is everything is emote? everything is fine. It's that emote fine. is for sale. That emote is for sale at the oh, at, no. uh, Eververse. Don't worry, I have that one and so you wanna <laughs> talk about back pain. <laughs> Don't worry, I have both of those. That's, that's uh. no problem. Nice. Oh, man. So, all right, we'll run through the outro, and then I imagine we'll stay for a little bit of an after show as usual, but we'll see you guys uh, next week, and thank you once again, and looking forward to chatting with you for this next year. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to our episode archives can be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing partner podcasts within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.